Da-na-na, Sarah. <laughs> I love how alive and alert that makes me feel. Right? Doesn't it? It's bad. Like, look, I like the look, jazz, it's fun, it's funky, whatever. But the whole every time I listen to it, I'm like, <sighs> it's so boring. <laughs> when I first heard it, I really liked it. And then after a few times, I was like, oh God, this is really and it sets the wrong tone. Like I want this to be a little bit more of like comedy and you know, information and yeah. storytelling or whatever. Yeah. So I like this better. I just well, thought I like that. I'll I let's did. leave it until Quentin Tarantino comes after us. Fucking you know what? <laughs> Fuck him. How, what is this thing with Quentin Tarantino's ninth film? Is there something like significant about the fact that it's his ninth film? Or no, I don't like, what's going on there? I, well, as far as I can tell, it has everyone in it. <sighs> um, everyone. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, I, I don't, uh, I'm not, I'm just not understanding why they're making such a big deal of it. I don't know. Maybe there's a thing with directors that they, like most of them don't get to nine. I'm not sure. Really? I don't know. (laughs) Let's, let's be, let's recap two things first. Welcome to women on top. And (laughs) we are talking about the film once upon a time in Hollywood, which is Quentin Tarantino's ninth film. For some reason that's significant. (laughs) And of course, of course, it appears everything that came out about him that Uma Thurman came out with last year or the year before, that's been swept under the rug. Uh, indeed it has, because I don't even know what you're talking about. You don't? No. Is he a she, He's not a sex pest. Okay. He, he's definitely um, sort of... A, I guess kind of psychologically abusive on set towards women. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, I, I, I think, I think the argument was, well, that's his process. And it's like, sure. Oh, sure. fucking, you know what? Okay, fine. Whatever. So, but that's been, that's been forgot, forgotten. Uh, and this film, you know what? Honestly, I am so utterly sick of, Charles Manson and the story of Charles Manson and the cult of Charles Manson and that story. It's like Ted Bundy. Yeah. He's, he's having a a moment right now. He's having a moment right now because investigation discovery, which I I should not watch as much as I do. (laughs) (laughs) And I do, I like that. I can watch that channel all day, but inevitably it leaves me disturbed. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. That's, it's the worst of humanity. It really is the worst of humanity, and it really, it just triggers every anxiety that I have. Yeah, especially when it comes to torture. I can't like prolong torture and making somebody wait, knowing they're going to die. I can't yeah. handle that. It freaks me out. Do you do you like horror films? I love horror films. Okay, all right, but not but see, like not with like investigation. The, Go ahead. The hostile, not like the hostile and saw family, obviously. Uh, saw I can, but you know what the difference is? I can't watch it when I know that it really happened. Okay, well that makes sense. You know, I, this happened I, to I real that. people. I, like in a movie, you can sort of go, okay, well, you can put a little bit of distance there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. Uh, so Charles Manson is being featured in some some uh, one of the investigation discovery series on cults. 
It's just, oh my God. Do you, are you going to say anything that you haven't said endlessly for how, what are we going on? Like 40 oh, years? 40 years. Yeah. Well, I guess it depends on who they interview because I, I saw one thing recently. Um, I think it, I think it was in Jezebel. I want to say um, where this, this guy has written a book and alleges that Helter Skelter got it all wrong. So it depends on who they interview. They interview hot, that guy. It will be new. Hot take. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a fresh take yeah. on this very stale story. He does. I don't know how informed it is or well-researched, but he's got a book to sell. <laughs> yeah. And apparently this is Luke Perry's final. Oh, yeah. 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 Luke Perry. That, God. Luke Perry is in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And, you know, after he died, there wasn't, throughout his career, you never heard one bad thing about him. That is true. And that's very rare for someone who had the level of fame he had during 90210. I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it makes me sad. It just makes me sad that, you know, the, the, uh, just so, such a shame. You know, he has kids and he was really having like his whole career was really, I think, at, at, at like the peak of a resurgence. And, yeah. you know. Very sad. Very sad. In any case, um, I won't be seeing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because okay. I, I don't know. I don't know. Don't I, I just, <laughs> I just don't care. I'm just yeah. like, oh, fuck it. I don't care. Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, who I like, I like listening to her in interviews, but as an actress, I'm kind of like, you're kind of boring. You kind of do the same thing over and over again. Did you see I, Tanya? No, I didn't. <laughs> you need to. Yeah? Absolutely. <laughs> I think because I found that, uh, I just found that story so ridiculous. Uh, and You need to see that. <laughs> is it, uh, just for Alice and Janney, I suppose I need to say it, right? Um, everyone is great in it, including yeah. Margot Robbie. Um, Alice and Janney obviously does not disappoint, because she never mm -hmm. does. But um, right. yeah, it's it's definitely worth seeing. Huh. Speaking about movies I should be seeing, yeah, I saw Rocketman this weekend. Oh, and how was it? I really liked it. Good. I really liked it. It was, uh, I actually, uh, I saw it with Dawn, uh -huh. which that took me by surprise. I On Friday, I got a text from him mm -hmm. saying, um, you know, I've, I've been meaning to, you know, check in and see how you're doing. And I said, oh, I'm great. And. I'm enjoying a rare day off. How are you? Oh, I'm great too. You know, I, I don't have the day off, but I can't complain. Okay. And he said, uh, I plan on seeing Rocketman this weekend. And I wanted to know if you wanted to go. And I said, yeah. You know, we, we met up and I was afraid. I was very afraid. And that was part of the reason why we had briefly talked about seeing Rocketman together months ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, after we broke up, I, I said, you know, oh, I still, I still want to see that with you. And he's like, oh, you know, we'll figure it out, and you know, we'll find a weekend. And I said, okay. And I just said, okay, if he's true, if he's being honest and sincere, let him follow up with you. And so I haven't spoken to him since, and that was, you know, two and a half months ago. Mm -hmm. So when I got the text, I was like, oh god, like that. I have to say, I was surprised. Because, yeah, you know, Rocket Man has been in theaters a couple weeks, right? 
been in the theaters almost two months. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> so he uh, okay, so he had a general time frame in mind. Well, you know, I think what could have happened is he might have thought that I would. You know, it's just the whole thing is weird, right? It's it's a it's an uncomfortable situation. Not uncomfortable in a bad way, but you know, you broke up with somebody and is it really a good idea to get together with them, you know, two months later? It like is are you gonna be opening old wounds? Could you possibly be creating drama? You know, what's gonna happen? Yeah, there's a lot that could go wrong. Right. There's a there's a lot that could happen. And so I I just I I didn't expect him to follow up with me because I just thought that's, it's unrealistic to expect that. Okay. So when he did, I was like, oh, that's, it was nice. But I was definitely nervous going into it because I thought, okay, is this going to make me sad? Yeah. You know, is this going to, am I going to, am I going to walk away from this feeling like, is it going to just rip open the wound? Which had, which had, which had, I, I felt had healed, you know, you know, there was, he didn't really do anything wrong. You know, there was no pain. We had it. It yeah. just, it was what it was. So when I'm standing in the movie theater and he, I see him walk in and I feel that skip mm-hmm. in my chest where I kind of go, because I just feel like he looks so good mm-hmm. and he comes in and, you know, we hug and you know, we talk a little bit, you know, you can't really catch up in a movie. Yeah, that's true. So, but we, we may, we did what we could, we got there like a half hour early and it was really easy and really nice. And I had a great time and I had a moment, there was one moment during the movie and it was sort of a sad scene. And I kind of allowed myself like, okay, we're in the dark. It's a sad scene. So if I like tear up, he won't, he won't notice. Yeah. Because I did feel that, um, you know, I remembered like, oh, I remember how, how much I liked hanging out with him. Like I truly enjoyed him. And so I definitely had that moment of, I miss this. Yeah. And, but I, you know swallowed it back and you know we got to watch the movie and we were going when we were leaving i kind of hoped that we were going to get a drink so that we could like really catch up and talk and just hang out mm-hmm. and there was a little bit of weirdness but not a bad weirdness i think we both just didn't know how do we end this how do we say goodbye <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah and there was that I definitely, I probably both of you were like hoping the other would initiate. (laughs) I think maybe, maybe that's true. Um, He's, uh, I don't know. See, and this is the thing is that he's probably going to listen. And and I have to say, I, (laughs) but I have to say, I hate that. You know, I hate that. (laughs) I don't like when any guy from my past checks in, like listens to my podcast or yeah. reads my blog, I th- there's something about it that I find very offensive. Would you mind if he joined Patreon? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't take his money. I wouldn't do that. Although, <laughs> no, I know we could just talk about him. Like Patreon would be like my private blog, right? <laughs> the password protected one. Um, well, 
you know, some people I hear can be friends with exes. Yeah. Um, I'm not one of those people. <laughs> but maybe it depends on the ex. Maybe. I don't know. I I agree with you. I don't have any exes worth being friends with. But if you do, and it sounds like you might, um, I don't know. It, 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 other people do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe I, it's doable. Maybe. Uh, I, it's got to be worth the effort, though. You know what I mean? And it's It's got to be easy and not painful for anyone. And Yeah, it would be painful for that. me. You know, okay. I, I like hanging out. I, I don't know. Dare I say, um, dare I say, I'm going to put this out there. And if he is listening and he thinks I'm wrong, then whatever. But I feel like there was a moment there that there was a, the spark is still there. Yeah. That's what I felt. The spark is still there. Okay. So, um, Yeah. So how did so you said you weren't sure how to end things? Did things just well? We were kind of like it was her. like something out of a rom com. It was like, well, which way are you going? Well, I'm going here and I'm going there. Oh, so no. Oh, so you want to? Oh, you're going this way. Okay, because I. <laughs> and okay. so he walked me across the street and he got me a cab and he opened the door and uh, you know we hugged goodbye and he said something about you know we'll we'll do it again and okay. uh, I you know we kissed on the cheek. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. All right. It was nice. I miss him. That's all I'm going to say. And the movie was good. Yeah. The movie was really good. It was, you know, Elton John is clearly very, very upset that the box office is not the same as Bohemian Rhapsody. (laughs) Well, fair. (laughs) Well, fair, sure. But there's, there's some factors that are, that are, you know, that are leading leading to that <laughs> that outcome, which is, yeah. you know, the ratings are different. Rocket Man is an R, whereas Bohemian Rhapsody was PG thirteen. Oh, and Elton John's not dead, which I I really do think has something to do with the success of the of the Queen movie. I think people are interested because he's dead, which is sad to say, but I mean, well, I think it. I think that is the truth. <laughs> I think. Um, Frankly, I I think people just don't care about Elton John. <laughs> well, hey, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Too. <laughs> El, like he he's obviously not as interesting as Freddie Mercury. I will. I it's will not that. even that he's not that interesting. Like, is it me or does Elton John kind of come across like a prick? Um. Well, you know, I I don't really pay a lot of attention to him. <laughs> um. I think it's. I think it's more to do with the fact that um, Freddie Mercury died relatively young. Elton John has had the opportunity to age. People have stopped paying attention to him. You know what I mean? He's he's really he's totally edgeless at this point. Right, right. You know, it's in this not interesting. <laughs> well, right, and he and Freddie Mercury had very similar trajectories yes. in that you know they both got heavy into drugs and heavy into sex and. You know, unfortunately, Freddie Mercury contracted HIV, whereas right. Elton John didn't. Right. And and now he's knighted. And now he's knighted. And we all know Freddie Mercury would have been knighted too. Probably, and, yeah. And yeah. Freddie Mercury would still be performing today. But 
I, I think Elton John doesn't really want to, <laughs> I think he doesn't want to admit that Freddie Mercury, he's, he's, he's not even on Freddie Mercury's level. Um, well, yeah, he wouldn't want to admit that, would he? <laughs> no, no one's. And this is why I don't care when people talk about, well, Rami Malek didn't even sing the songs. It's like, right. Because Good. it's Freddie fucking Mercury. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> was ever going to duplicate. That's what made him Freddie Mercury. Yeah, I don't ever want to hear a Queen song at karaoke. I don't. I, I like. I don't want to hear what's his face, the guy from American Idol. What's his name? Adam something. Oh, Lambert. Adam Lambert. Nope, nope. You can put a cream. You can put leather pants and a crown on. You will never be Freddie Mercury, and that's that. So I don't care if Rami Malek lip synced because no, anything fine. that wasn't. Freddie Mercury, it wouldn't do him justice. It would be almost offensive. Yeah. So, but Taron Egerton sang everything and he did the dancing and he really, if he's not nominated for an Academy Award, I'll be, I'll be shocked. Hmm. It was that good. The, uh, the, the cast, I mean, there wasn't one weak link. Do you know who Jamie Bell is? Uh, no. He was in Billy Elliot. Okay. And he was married to Rachel Evan Wood. I think for a bit. Okay. He plays Bernie Taupin. And it's very clear in the movie that Elton John was madly in love with Bernie Taupin for a very long time, even though Bernie was straight. And uh, it, it, you know, it was such an understated performance, but it was the, it was the epitome of what a supporting actor does such a great performance so you really it was really about a love story between those two men and i loved it i loved the film i loved that the film was really was about like uh male like um you know emotions and sexuality and between men mm-hmm. because we don't see that nope <laughs> So I really, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought Taron Edgerton was just phenomenal. Broke your heart in certain scenes. Richard Madden, who I love, I mean, I think he's sexy. And have you watched The Bodyguard or Bodyguard? Uh, no. no I you haven't seen that? Oh, you have to watch no. that. He's so good. And what's funny is that he plays John Reed, who was also a character in Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> They were they, they okay. were both featured. John Reed in Bohemian Rhapsody was portrayed as sort of angelic. Okay, but in Rocket Man, he's a he's a just an abusive prick. Interesting. And you, <laughs> I'm just going on and on and on about this. I'm sorry. That's I, okay. Richard Madden, he's Scottish, so there were moments in that movie where I was just like, "What the fuck did he just say?" And <laughs> I would turn to Don because Don's Irish. And I'm like, do do you know? And so he could translate for me. But yeah, definitely worth it. Oh, I love a Scottish accent. Oh, I love a Scottish accent. Jesus Christ. Love it. Love it. Love it. So I saw a great movie over the weekend as well. I saw Midsummer. Oh, how was that? (laughs) Amazing. Uh, It was, I don't know if you saw Hereditary, which is Mm -mm. the, um, the director's debut. Um, and so that, that set a very high bar because Hereditary is really great. Um, 
but Midsummer is um, it's it's sort of a breakup movie crossed with like fairy tale, and mm-hmm. it's very trippy and very disturbing, mm-hmm. um, but not super gory and and does not rely on jump scares. Um, or really, it, it's really kind of the opposite of like all the classic horror tropes. Like it's very brightly lit. Mm-hmm. It's all during the day. Yeah, it's um, very colorful. It's very colorful. Yeah, and um, but very, very effectively disturbing. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, I saw the trailer, and the trailer was was very freaky. Yeah, so you should see it, and you should see Hereditary, because um, that director says he's done with horror, which I think is a shame. But yeah. he's moving on. He's moving on. Speaking of moving on, way yeah. to give me a segue. <laughs> well done. So um, apparently, mm. uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop had another one of their fucking <laughs> one, one of their one of their wellness weekends or whatever summit. Yeah, wellness summit. 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 Mm-hmm. Thank you. A wellness summit. You know, all these bright minds coming together to talk about whatever eggs up your vagina. I don't know. And, and and steaming your vagina, whatever. So, (laughs) um, I'm going to, this was in the, this was written by Madeline, uh, Geller in the cut. And she says that according to page six, some guests at the wellness company's weekend summit in London last week left with metaphorical Jade bees in their yonis. Well done, Madeline. Well done. <laughs> Saying that the whole event was a long, expensive Goop sales pitch and that Goop Empress herself, Gwyneth Paltrow, did the minimum. Gwyn- yeah, Gwyneth acts like she's a health goddess, but actually she's a pretentious, greedy extortionist, one attendee told Page Six. She had a ton of security. Gee, I wonder why. She was unapproachable. She did the minimum. A few fireside chats with Twiggy and Penelope Cruz. Then she put on her Birkenstocks and snuck out. I was a huge fan of Gwyneth. Now I feel like I have lost my faith in God. Wow. Well, she sounds very grounded. (laughs) Another attendee apparently agreed, saying, saying of Paltrow in a WhatsApp group of fellow guests, GP is a fucking extortionist. Now, um, I'm not sure extortion means what they think it means. <laughs> First of all. <laughs> Second of all, uh, here's a thought. If you have $6,000 to spend on a weekend like this, I cannot be bothered to give a shit about your feelings. <laughs> well, that and also, like, did you think that the price of admission of being Gwyneth's friend right was $5700 cuz i can assure you it's much higher <laughs> exactly and that's you what what you paid for here and nothing more right because they thought oh i'm going to pay $6000 and i'm going to hang out with Gwyneth Paltrow and we're going to be friends right no she's not giving out her phone number at this right <laughs> like and no wonder because they are like the people who went to this are obviously pretty hardcore fans, which uh, man, yeah. I, I didn't even know existed. Like I, I will admit to reading Goop, but mostly just to stay current, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want to see what she's saying because I know that it's going to be news. Um, but I'm not following her advice, <laughs> right? About anything, I'm not cooking her recipes, right? 
And obviously she's a salesperson. Obviously. Well, the the article says the two-day summit, which included, per the Goop website, restorative workshops and classes for the spirit, for the body, for the mind, and for the and for beauty, plus our signature retail hall and food from our local plant-based haunts, cost guests roughly $5,700, including $1,300 for two nights in suites at the Kimpton Fitzroy London Hotel with gluten-free breakfast included. Now, there better be oat milk. There better be oat milk and flower crowns. And then, and, and again, and I am going to draw this comparison. You know, yeah, I hated the way people piled on Carolyn Calloway. I thought it was bullshit. I thought it was the fucking white woman uh, Olympics, the uh, white white privilege, white woman Olympics. Um, and if they knew anything about business. And putting together a workshop, $165, I guarantee you that girl lost oh, yeah. hundreds of dollars. Right. But Gwyneth is smarter than that, and she's done this before. <laughs> right, but even still, so, you know, I'm looking at this, and honestly, what they're talking about for $5,500, it does sound like they got quite a deal. Well, I think if you... Um, I could almost see this be worth going to if you live in London and didn't have to get the hotel. True. Um, that's that's quite a savings. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, the difference between this Goop Summit and the Caroline Calloway thing, other than the cost, is it sounds like everybody who went to see Caroline Calloway was actually pretty happy with what they got, except right. for that one blogger with an axe to grind. Oh, and, right? Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> here, people, people are not happy with Gwyneth. Right. They expected more. So. No, wait a minute. You're talking about the blogger that wrote the open letter? Um, I don't remember if it was an open letter, but it it was it was covering the Caroline Calloway thing, and it was... Are you, the one who wrote the Twitter thread? Uh, yeah, I think, well, I think she wrote that and the, the write-up, right? Oh, right. There was... There was uh, that girl. I can't even with that girl. I'm sure her her <laughs> ire has nothing to do with the fact that she makes thirteen thousand dollars a year yes, running one. for she fucking like, Pajiba. Right. And, yeah. yeah. I'm sure that has nothing to do with it. And especially when she says things like, you know, it, it was just really frustrated that you know I barely make thirteen thousand dollars a year, and I guess you know hard work and talent just doesn't just doesn't mean anything. As though what Carolyn Calloway does wasn't hard work and talent. And look, I'm not saying it's brain surgery, but just because you, it's not tangible doesn't mean it's not work. Right. And just because she had the balls to say, hey, I think I'm going to do this, and you didn't, doesn't mean she's wrong. You yeah. just didn't do it. You're it's just, just really easy to hate influencers because right. everybody feels like, oh, they just got lucky. And that's mostly true. <laughs> well, uh, the thing well, that you have to stick with it, right, in order to get lucky. Like you have to do it a pretty long time before you get lucky. Right. And the thing that really really bothers me about the, the you know, the hate for Carolyn Calloway mostly has to do with the fact that she does that she doesn't pay rent. Like this is really sticks with people. She doesn't pay rent and how does she afford that place? Blah blah blah. blah. And you know as well as I do that if any one of those trolls were offered the the chance of having their rent paid for them, they'd yeah. take it. They'd take it. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> yeah, that's what they're mad about. 
<laughs> right. So it's like, but you, if you, if you had the chance, if you had the opportunity, you'd take it too. Yeah. You're just pissed that you don't have the opportunity. So here, here is an actually kind of an interesting connection between this and the, the goop thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, I guess, I guess influencer that I casually follow. Uh, her name is Estée Lavant. I don't know if you've heard of her. She, she vlogged from the goop summit. <laughs> so I actually saw some footage from the event itself before I saw this, um, I guess, article. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess we'll call it this review. Um, and the food looked really good. Mm-hmm. It looked like crowd management was totally under control. Like there, you know, it was crowded, but you could walk around, you could breathe. Um, I, you know, I saw Gwyneth was there at a fireside chat. It didn't look worth however many British pounds <laughs> to me. Um, but again, if you live in London and you've got a couple thousand to blow and you want to go, yeah, but know what you're getting into. Right. right? You're not going to come away best friends with Gwyneth Paltrow. Right. And sites like Goop, you know, they're obviously for people of us in a certain tax bracket, right. let's say, but I bet a large portion of their readership is also the wannabes. <sighs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know who reads Goop. I don't. I, mean, I don't know anybody who reads Goop uh, un- um, unironically. Yeah, I know one person, um, and that is actually why I started reading it because she was trying to talk to me about it one time, and she was like, "Oh, you you don't read this," and I, I just assumed from that one conversation with one person that everyone was reading this. So now I read this. I will say this. You know, Gwyneth Paltrow is utterly pretentious and spoiled and out of touch. I when I, I agree. Right. Yeah, she's. <laughs> but that's her whole thing. That's her whole thing. But what I really admire about her is that she has zero fucks to give about what anybody thinks of her. Yeah. You know, you don't see her. She's not an Amy Schumer. She's not an Emily Radzikowski or whatever her name is, the one from the Blurred Lines video. She's not Ariel Winter from Modern Family. She's not one of those people who post, who intentionally posts inflammatory, incendiary stuff, knowing they're going to get troll comments, and then writes a follow-up post about the troll comments. And oh, you're you're body shaming me and you're slut shaming me and da da da. You know what? Look, there used to be a a writer for XOG and she had huge tits. Her name was Marcy, and she loved to talk about her boobs constantly. And she whenever she would post pictures, the tits were front and center, and not. And I'm talking about she would accentuate them, and we could all see that she was accentuating them. Okay. And she would write essays about, you know, just because I post a picture doesn't mean you can comment on my breast. Like, well, you know what? In theory, I 100% agree with you. But if you're going to post a picture where you are very clearly squeezing your boobs together to make them more pronounced, then you have to accept that there are going to be certain comments. And that's just how I, 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 obviously, comments like that are gross. They're not right. I, I, I agree. But, and and this is not, I'm going to draw a line. This isn't, you know, um, the same as 
someone's nude pictures being hacked. It's very different. Like, I don't agree with, with what's-her-face, Whoopi Goldberg, that, you know, you, sh- you shouldn't take naked pictures. No, it, it's not... On, that's not that's not who the onus is on. The onus is on the hackers, you know. But if you're gonna take a pic, if you're gonna like post pictures of your ass or of your body or of yourself half naked, um, pl- first of all, please don't use feminism as your reason to justify it. And two, understand that there are going to be certain comments made. Doesn't mean it's right, but. You cannot, like, you're just going to either, ha- you have to learn how to tolerate that to some degree. You disagree. I can tell by the silence. And no, go. I, just, I'm, I hear what you're saying about Gwyneth, but I think the reason she, or not the reason, but the way that she has avoided controversy has been by not ever making any kind of stand. Making any kind of stand? She's never taken a stand on anything other than jade eggs in your vagina. You know what I mean? Like she's, she's never, she's never spoken out about feminism, about. Well, wait a minute. You know, when the Weinstein story exploded, she was one of the first actresses to talk. Oh, did she? Okay. Well then I take it back. (laughs) And and of course she got shit for it. Oh yeah. And it was all that. Well, then why didn't she say anything? Because nothing, he never did anything to her. He propositioned her and she told Brad Pitt and Brad Pitt went to Weinstein and said, don't ever fucking, don't you touch her. Don't you ever talk to her that way. And so nothing came of it. Uh, But you know, he did Weinstein. It's funny to imagine those two talking. (laughs) Right. But Weinstein uh, did call Pal- <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow and say, you know, what the hell did you do? And why would you tell him that? And everybody was like, well, then why didn't she say anything? And, they, right. you know, and they jumped on her for it. Well, she she did say something, it sounds like. She did tell somebody. She told Brad Pitt. Right. And, well, why didn't she tell the police? And why didn't she? It's like, you know what, man? Well, what I'm, are they going to do? What the fuck are they going to do? Number one. Right. Like, about no, a gross proposition. Exactly. Like, uh, what, what, what are you going to say? This gross guy propositioned me. I mean, everybody heard the stories. I, I can remember in my office, yeah. I worked when I worked for Columbia House 25 years ago, I can remember my friend, my friend to this day, she's my friend to this day, and she was in my office when we were eating lunch, and she, uh, she was talking about, you know, stories about Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey. You know, she said, oh, yeah, you know, my friend, her friend was a makeup artist. And she said, yeah, he says he likes them young. That's 25 fucking years ago. (laughs) You know, those stories were out there and nobody did anything. Yeah. So don't come down on the women who were harassed and assaulted because everybody knew. Everybody knew and nobody did anything. No. Until everybody did something. Until every, until women felt safe enough to do something and felt like, oh, now we're, we're finally going to be taken seriously. Yeah. I think about Georgina Chapman sometimes Oof. because she, she seems she seems nice enough, right? But, but obviously probably isn't. <laughs> like obviously probably has been complicit this whole time and just sort of benefited from... Yeah. Yes, 
proximity. I, I agree that she, here's the thing. I think, like, we all knew he was a pig. We all yeah, knew he was. Yeah, but it's got to just be so embarrassing when it's finally out there, you know? Right, but, and, and as usual, kind of like Renata on Big Little Lies last week when she was talking to Gordon, and yeah. Gordon, you know, Gordon said, I'm so sorry, I hope you can forgive me. And Renata says, it's not about you. It's, you know, I've had dreams of all the things I was going to do for my daughter and the kind of life I was going to provide for her, and you stole them from me. Yeah. And she said, you know, but you know what? That's that's my bad, right? You know, my bad picker. Yeah. As usual, when, and then yet on last night's episode, she learns that she's being taken out of that big magazine spread that she was shooting for in the, in the mm -hmm. first episode. Uh, and... Of course, the the assistant you comes. Know, you know why, right? Because of the bankruptcy, the bankruptcy that her husband a, caused. No, because it's about women on top. Because it's about women on top. <laughs> I thought I immediately texted you. I'm like, shit. How can I isolate that out? <laughs> I laughed out loud when I I, I lulled when I saw I that. I did too. <laughs> but Georgina Chapman, Monica Lewinsky. You know, it's so it's so common for women to be dragged down. By men. White yeah. Men. Well, so regarding Georgina Chapman, I, I think specifically about like, oh, I, I wonder if her label ever would have come to prominence without the benefit of his money and influence. Of course not. And how sad it is that she she had to marry this fucking Dick. gargoyle. Right. And just and and just must have known that he was terrible for however long they were married. And I, I don't know. I just, I think about the choices she made and yeah. <laughs> how limited her options were. How limited her options were. But again, let's but keep But also how, how culpable she was and how complicit. Okay. But remember, <clears throat> remember what Ronan Farrow said that, you know, didn't Weinstein hire Mossad to like track some of these women down or to watch these women or to threaten them? <sighs> I don't know. You that know, seems, I mean, that sounds a little excessive to me, but I'm not, I guess I wouldn't put it past him. It, so he's got the resources. He has the resources to do it. So I can, I can see Georgina Chapman being terrified. Sure. You know, yeah, maybe she's just relieved it's over. Um, she's relieved it's over. And I think it's, yeah, she's going to get dragged down. She's going to get dragged down for it. I don't know that she'll ever come back. I know that there are still some, some celebrity wearing her clothes. Yeah. But uh, in any case, I want, I want to go back to, because you seemed very silent when I brought up the stuff about posting pictures and getting the girls' comments. Um, because I think you are right, but I also think that they're right. I mean, I, I don't know that I will live <laughs> to see a time when women can post photos uh, of themselves with their bodies on display and not receive gross comments. But I also think that that, sh that should be allowed to occur. You know what I mean? Like there are, I, I can't, I don't know about Marcy, I, you know, I'd have to see some photos to know whether I agree with you that she was um, accentuating her boobs or not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I, I just, I know they're, you know, they're, your body is your body. And so there definitely are women that like, depending on what shirt they wear, you know, 
people could argue like, oh, that's low cut, that's that's showing cleavage, whatever. But like, if, if that's your body, right, it, it might be impossible not to show cleavage. But in you, that shirt, we both right? know both- that you can tell the difference between someone just posting a picture. Like, look, if they have a certain type kind of cleavage or a certain, like, whatever, that we know the difference between just a normal picture and someone intentionally showcasing their body. Uh, generally. And here's the thing. Some, some stuff is, I don't know, there's some gray area with photos, I think. Here's the thing. I am all for thirst trapping. I'm, I'm down with it. <laughs> I have no problems with it. Some days you just need, you need the ego boost. Or, you know, you've been working out and you want want to show it off. I have no problem with that. What I don't like is when you know this is going to happen because it has happened to you. And then you keep doing it and then you keep coming out with stupid posts. And like Amy Schumer did it all the time. You know, there's Amy Schumer like, oh, you're body shaming me. And yet Amy Schumer nearly had a heart attack when she found out she was in the plus size uh, issue of Glamour. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I'm not plus size. And she kept insisting she was a size six. Like, fucking sure, Jan, are you for real? And she's posting pictures of herself from like years earlier when she was a, had a different body type. She was very, very offended at the thought of being considered yeah. plus size. Yeah. <laughs> right. And she's but and that's body shaming. I don't think she understands that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it's just hard to be a woman. <laughs> it is hard to be a woman. I get I that. Know. I do. I just feel like it's and hard this, to have a body. It's hard. It is. It's like everything oh, we do, it's loaded. I, I agree. I yeah, and I that's that's really what my silence was about. It's it's it was more about like you know, if you're a woman online, you're just you're not gonna win. You're never gonna win. You're never you're going gonna win. to win. This is why I don't have a lot of photos online. I, you know, I figure if you know me, you get to know what I look like. Right. Right. <laughs> if and, not, you don't need to know. And I, and I, and I think persist, keep posting them. Like you don't let these, don't let them win by any means. Just know what, what, just know what could come from it. And either inoculate yourself to it or protect yourself or like do something. Maybe it's to just post it on a password protected thing or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, depending on the medium, you, you could always disable comments. You could always disable comments. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't like it when people, I can't stand the uh, addressing the haters. I've always hated that. (laughs) Fucking A. Oh, you've got haters, and that must mean you're doing something right. Nope. No. It just means you're existing on the internet. And Yeah. Sometimes haters going to make some good points. <laughs> it, I'll tell you, you know, everybody, I always hated when bloggers, when they would write one of their shitty posts, and then at the end, they'd say, say something nice, or please leave a comment, but please only leave constructive criticism. You know what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're doing something shitty then people should be allowed to tell you you're doing something shitty without having to give you the, 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 the compliment sandwich. Yeah. You know, I, I can't, st- I couldn't stand that. I never liked it. I thought, um, people were like, like to throw around the word bully. Oh, you're being such a bully. No, I'm just telling you, you're a fucking asshole. You're just an asshole. And that's not me being a bully. That's me just being, getting to, getting to the point. 
and yeah. me being or, honest. Or you're wrong also gets equated with being a bully pretty frequently. Just pointing out when someone is wrong. Right. Not the same. Right. <laughs> not oh, the same as bullying. It's not the same. <laughs> not the same at all. And people just, just could not deal with it. And, and I think it's probably because I started blogging back around 2005 mm-hmm. when things were, when it was really like awful on the internet. And I'm not saying it's great now, but back what? then. What was going on in 2005? I think people just didn't, like people really didn't care what they said online. They didn't understand the search engines. They didn't understand, you know, companies weren't Googling employees. Do you know what I mean? So they were, people were saying more stuff and they could sign up for, to comment on something and use a fake email address. Not that they can't do that now, but yeah, you know, there are steps now, like all the platforms you have to, there are steps to go through. You have to be approved or whatever, or you have to, you know, you have to that, get the email and click it and opt in and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I think we were just, I think women were worse to each other back then. I mean, it sounds like we all were. <laughs> yeah, but I think n- now, because I know the majority of the the worst comments I ever received when I was blogging came from women. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. And that's that's. I, I guess. I mean, I don't know. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> you know, that's that stopped. And maybe it, it stopped because I became less of an asshole, uh, and I <laughs> stopped being such a fucking cool girl. And may, maybe that's why some of it stopped. And it's not to say that some of the feedback was wrong. I think the the critical comments. Oh my god! I think you can grow and learn so much from the comments on your articles. Yeah, if you're open to it. If you're open to it. Because boy, oh boy, are they enlightening. And if it is, if they are delivered in a way that is not hateful. Right. Right. Exactly. So, anyhow. Okay. Well, we've exhausted that topic. Being a woman on the internet. Okay. One more. Let's do one more for the cut. And this one, I love shit like this, but I'm going to tell you. I bet we have totally different takes on this. I could I could tell from your email response. Oh, okay. Well, here's what I'm... So, this next one is from the My Two Cents column for The Cut, and it was written by Charlotte Cowles. And she writes a weekly column where people write in with letters. And this week's letter, here's the title. Can I still charge my boyfriend rent once we're married? Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. So, um, I'm just going to throw this out there before we begin. Uh, fake, fake, totally fake. <laughs> I am betting this is a fake letter. Okay. All right. And go. I mean, I I didn't get that from it, but I don't have people writing me letters all day. Mm-hmm. I never have. So I, I'm not, not as attuned to it. What makes you think it's fake? I'll tell you what it was. <laughs> it was the line... Let me, let's read the letter. Let's read okay. the, Do you want to read it? Do you have it up? I do. Okay. It's short. I can read it. You sure. read it. Um, my fian- Dear Charlotte, my fiance and I live together. I own the house. It's paid off and he pays me $500 a month. The bills for the house are very low and come out to about $300 a month. So essentially he's paying $200 in rent. He thinks that once we get married, he shouldn't have to pay rent anymore and that we should split the bills evenly. 
He's also stressed because he's accrued some debt, about 15000 since we've been together, which is partly why he thinks he should pay less. This frustrates me because I worked so hard to pay off my house early, and I feel like he's taking advantage of that. He's made less money than me the entire seven years we've been together, and it's been a constant issue in our relationship. I think that the man should contribute a bit more than the woman. Fake, fake, totally fake. There it is. (laughs) There's a line. That line? Okay. I'd love to split everything and own a house together, but he's nowhere near being able to do that. What's the fair option once you are married? Um, Okay, so let's hear your take on this. Let's hear your hot take. (laughs) Well, since it didn't occur to me that this was fake, I just thought like, God, what a psychopath. <laughs> just just what a what a cold-blooded lizard-brained psycho and don't marry this person because you don't respect or love him. Okay, we're on the same exact we're on the same page. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's, that surprises me. Um, but it did not occur to me that well, I mean, why it. does it surprise you? What did you think I was going to say to this? Oh, I forget what your what your email was. Oh, you're, I think you just said like, "Oh, I loved that," and I. Oh, I said totally entitled. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I, I mean, I guess is true, but yeah, more than that, I just was like, "God, this this is a psychopath." Yeah. <laughs> it's just like. I don't. I, I, I don't scary. know. It's you know what it is. <laughs> Money's always tough, right? Money's a very tough conversation to have. But what what stuck out to me is, I don't know, this woman has to be in her 40s or older. Uh-huh. So that's what's, I think, the most horrifying to me. Well, or, and I think this is probably more likely, I think maybe her house is paid off because she had a substantial loan from family. Thank you. <laughs> Don and, said the same thing because I read it to him. He was like, oh, did her father get her loan? Now think yeah, about exactly. that. Now, yeah. why do we assume that? Now, if it was a guy, would we feel the same way? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yes. Because that is the only way. I mean, unless, okay, maybe you, uh, okay, so I, I got some friends in Ohio who bought a total dump for $10,000 and rehabbed it. Maybe that's the situation. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I could see that being paid off. But yeah, no, it's it's 2019. There's no way that you bought and paid off a house by yourself unless you're in your 40s or older or unless you had a significant loan. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I unfortunately I have to agree. I have to agree with you on that one. There's although no like, there's just no way. Although I will say, here's an example, personal example from my family. So my father, uh, my father had a house that he had built for him, and this was my father's like his dream house. My father never spent money on himself, right? Very rarely. But this dream house, this was his way of sort of he'd made it. You know, and my father was not showy in any way. So he built this house and, uh, you know, we moved in there when I was around 12. And um, at some point after my stepmother, my stepmother ended up being diagnosed with scleroderma. So my father wanted to move to Cape Cod. Oh, actually, no, they moved to Cape Cod before that. My father had always wanted to live by the water. My father loved the water. Mm -hmm. And then my stepmother was diagnosed with scleroderma. 
and they were going to have to keep coming up back and forth to Boston. So he would go down a Cape and whatever. So my sister had six kids and she had cancer and they needed a bigger house. And my father said, live here, live in this house. Now the house easily worth well over a million dollars back then. Mm -hmm. He wrote up a promissory note and he sold them the house for 150,000. <laughs> okay. I'm trying not to get angry. <laughs> trying not to get angry. I'm working through uh, this. Yeah. <laughs> and so they just had to make these payments on this million dollar house that they got for $150,000. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, that's a that's a bargain. That's a bargain. And here's <laughs> the thing, my father couldn't have given a shit about the money. My father didn't care. But because yeah. my sister was married and because her husband was Italian, my father was very old school Italian and he believed a man takes care of his family. So yeah. I'm going to make you pay. I'm not giving you this. You're going to pay for this and take care of your family. Um, so in any case, she, you know, my sister, you know, but there was after when my father died, my sister claimed that uh, my father said, well, once, you know, B and I are dead, you don't have to pay anything on this house, but there was nothing in writing. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. That 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 kicked off a three year awful probate case, uh, in which uh, in the middle of which my sister died, mm-hmm. and so then we had to continue. So that's okay. I went off on a big tangent there, but my point is, she could have gotten something like a piece of property like that. Yeah. Sorry yeah. to make it about me. <laughs> Forgive me for that's that. Okay, it's, a, it's an it's an illustrative point. <laughs> so I, I agree with you. I, I don't know how anybody could pay off a house. I can't, I know one woman, my friend Jess bought her first apartment when she was 26, 27. I mean, she's just always had it together in that way, but I don't know. I've never known anybody to be able to buy and and pay off that soon. I mean, it takes years. Not And not only that, but like, I mean, not to be ageist, <laughs> but when your friend Jess was 26, how many years ago was that? Was that? Was that recently or was that like 24 years ago? It was like 12 years ago. 12 years ago. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I was thinking it was longer. Scratch that. Ow. <laughs> so you just nullified my point. But um, but I do think, you know, uh, you know, paying off a house, very possible several years ago. Yes. Now, yeah. not not really. Not Not with cost of living what it is. Yeah. In every state, yeah, um, not with salaries, what they are, not yeah, not with medical bills. Like it's it's just not. Uh, what bothers me about this letter is that this, uh, well, if it's if it's real, if this person is real, she is acting like it was it was her hard work and elbow grease that paid off this house, and uh, I'm not no, I'm not falling for it. Yeah, I'm not you falling for it. I'm with house. you on that. I'm not falling for that either. I, I don't walk into this house and you're trying to make your boyfriend pay you rent just, just so you just can get extra cause. money. <laughs> just because. And you feel like he ought to. Right. And here's the other thing that, that got me. When she said he all he's also stressed out because he's accrued some debt, about fifteen thousand dollars. Honey, fifteen thousand dollars is nothing. Well, but why is she 
oh my god like everything about this <laughs> right she's very offended that this guy has debt now she doesn't go into what kind of debt it is it's, if like credit card debt yeah that that's prop that's probably irresponsibility but maybe it's from like five years ago or ten whatever it is is it right is it student loans like, is it student is loans it is it a medical what is it because there's good right. debt and there's bad debt but also instead of paying her rent pay that down right right because if you do want to one day buy a house together, like she said, he's going to need to pay off the debt. So if the goal... That, right. And, but the real issue here, I think, is that he makes less money than her and she doesn't like it. She doesn't it's like it. She... Right. I'd love to split everything and own a house together, but he's nowhere near being able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there really is this like, oh, he's just such a child. And meanwhile, I agree with you. I and But we don't know this. And this is why I don't, you know. It's, and maybe it's fake. It's Maybe it's <laughs> fake just to talk about the issue. But I, I just, when you, like you're married. I am. And so what do you and your husband, your husband do? Um, We have everything combined. Yeah. Which I know you're not a fan of. No, not after what happened to me, no. <laughs> Um, but that's, but that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So, so you don't have, when we, when we first moved in together, um, the situation was like, both of our leases were ending. We both needed to move. He was looking to buy and I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I very irresponsibly moved in with him <laughs> because I was like, well, you know, he's, he's not going to make me sign a lease. Right. So I'll, I'll pay him rent. And if it doesn't work out, you know, I'll just I'll just rent something else. Right. Um, but if it works out, great. And it and it did work out, so so that was great. So when we first moved in, I was paying him rent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't remember what we did with utilities. I think I think I only paid him rent, and he was paying utilities, but I can't remember. So you don't have like? Do you have like your own checking account just for you? No. No. Wait, what? No. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. I I know you think it's a bad idea. Um, but no. Huh. <laughs> I'm I'm really shocked at that. <laughs> I mean, if I thought that things were ending and and not looking good, I I probably would start one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but no, I, I don't at the moment. I can remember we were talking about this on my, on my column one day. And I said that if I ever moved in with somebody and he, it was, he owned the, the place, um, my name's going on the title. If you want me yeah. to pay, if you want me to like pay, if, if we're going to split everything down the middle and I'm for that, unless there's a case of, you know, one of the, one of you has debt, you know, let them pay the debt off, then, you know, work something out, then like split everything evenly. Uh, if I'm going to pay towards your mortgage, my name is going on that title. Yeah. I, I think that there's not a one size fits all solution in terms of like, right. You know, handling the financials in a, in a relationship or marriage. Mm-hmm. But I I can see it being important to discuss the specifics ahead of time, especially if money is tight for one of you and not the other. Right. And if here's it. Or if it's tight for both of you, then it's probably even more important, actually. Right. And it's very clear that money's not tight for her. 
Um, nor has well, it ever right. been. Nor has it ever been. Because I'm guessing she grew up in an environment where the father was the breadwinner. Well, yeah, it sounds like that. Right? Yeah. And that's what she said. Well, the man, I, for it, she like vacillates between, well, we can do, we can pay, we can split everything down the middle, but I want him to make more. She, yeah, she's very bothered by the fact that he doesn't make a lot of money. And, that's what's bothering her. Right. Yeah. It's not, it's not any of this other stuff. It's just that she's put in seven years into the relationship and obviously saw potential in him that he had in her eyes has yet to fulfill. And that's what's pissing her off. Yeah. Like, imagine if like he's a teacher and she's being this way it's like yeah honey I, yeah i wondered about i wondered about his job i mean if he's a teacher then you know if he's in a public school then he's on a predictable salary scale right, right? and she she could tell seven years on what he would be making um but he should have been getting raises steadily um, if he's a teacher, but you know, what if he's like an artist or an actor or something? And well, she yeah. believed he would, he would, he would have made it by now. Yeah, <laughs> here's the thing: it, I would never, uh, I would never put myself in a position to have to be financially um, tied to somebody that wasn't financially stable. Right, and I think that's and. Right, her. I mean, that's her stance as well. But it's all—it's all wrapped up in this frustration that her boyfriend doesn't make more money. Right, and to be clear, someone can make twenty-five thousand dollars a year, pay all their bills, have great credit. That you know, just because they make twenty-five thousand dollars a year doesn't mean finan- they're not financially stable. Right. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. It you know, on I don't care how much you make as long as you can take care of yourself. Right. Um, and I'm like. I'm not one of those people that believes, and you're the one who said this to me, that credit credit score does not equal character. I said that? Yeah, you said that to me. No. Because I, there was a point where I was really, really, I had really done a great job in fixing my credit, and then I took a hit because I had mm-hmm. given my sister all that money, and I got uh-huh. behind on bills. Yeah. And that, the shame that I felt because of that. And we really do. We we tie so much of our self worth to our credit score, to our weight, to yeah. you know, our just to, to status. Yeah. So uh, I I don't know. You know, a lot of people can have shitty credit, but be really good people. You yeah, just, I mean, there's so many reasons. There's so many reasons they could have gotten sick. They could have gotten laid off. Uh-huh. Who knows? Like who knows? In any case, this woman is a child. She's immature. She's spoiled. And she needs to not be paying or not be charging her boyfriend rent. And she needs to not be engaged to this person. Are they? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, my fiance. Yeah. Ugh. You know, she needs to not be engaged to this person because she knows exactly who he is and she doesn't accept him. No, she doesn't. She doesn't accept him and she seems deeply offended at the idea of splitting things equally. Yeah. You know, she wants a man who makes more so that he can pay more so that she can pay less. Right. Is that, which is. Which is I, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Oh, boy. <laughs> that's a lot to unpack there. That's a lot to unpack there. Uh, so have we have we sufficiently parsed that one? I think so. I hope it is fake because, I mean, I don't know why any, either of them is in this relationship. It's so sad. Yeah. 
I, I, I feel, <laughs> let's put this way. I feel more bad for him than her. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so now we're on to the dating question. Yeah. Dear Moxie, I need you to knock some sense into me. I've read your blog long enough to know you will be honest and not hold back. Yeesh. I'm not really crazy about stuff like that, but okay. I met this guy on an online website and we went on seven or eight dates. We always have fun together and got pretty serious. And I left my last date with him before the holidays and before I went home for Christmas with us both saying he wanted to get together again. We texted over the holidays as well, almost daily. I came home after New Year's and it's been very minimal to nothing on his end since then, like 100% to 2%. He's texted me a few times here and there asking how I am, how I'm doing, or texting me during some of the recent football games. We're both fans, but very minimal and sporadic and hasn't asked me to do anything since our last date. Not even a hint of, I wish we could hang out, but I'm busy. Nothing at all. If I text him, he will reply, but it's not like it was before, and I've held off from texting him too much or initiating conversation because, yeah, I get it. I'm not looking for you to tell me it's not over. I've come to the conclusion that either, one, he's no longer interested and is just stringing me along so he has a backup plan in case someone else isn't interesting. Two, he's no longer interested and just doesn't know how to stop or tell me he's not interested. Ding, ding, ding. That's what's going on. Uh, or three, he's interested but too busy with work, life, helping old ladies cross the street. All three of these situations are not what I want in a relationship or in a guy, and I know it's done. My only problem is that I really like this guy, so in the rare situations he texts, I still respond. I suppose it's easier to respond than accept that I did something to make him not interested in me, but it's getting old for me as well, dealing with the little games. Plus, in a few situations where I've been online talking to other guys, I still compare them to him, and I'm hesitant to go back out there and date. Moxie, I need an honest reality check from you. How do I stop caring and move on? Ugh. You just, I don't know that you can. You know, to go back talking about Don, it, 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 we only dated for what, like five months, six months? And... It took, it, it took a lot of time, but I think the reason why we hold on to these situations, one, it's because online dating is so goddamn hard nowadays that when we finally do get somebody's attention and meet them offline and go out on a few dates, we don't, we're, we're afraid to throw them back because we're like, oh, I mean, it took six months to get that one. Yeah. So there's that fear of, oh, what if no one else comes along? But there's also that fear of, as long as he's still a possibility, I don't have to feel that pain, that disappointment. And I think that's part of the reason why we hold on to these situations is we're afraid of that pain. You know, we, yeah. we, do, mm -hmm. we do what we can to delay it and to avoid it. Yeah. That, that's yeah. just what I think. What, what are you thinking? The question of how to stop caring, I think, is yeah, kind of a kind of a misdirection because you're right. I mean, you, you can't control your emotions, mm -hmm. right? You can only control how you respond to them. So to manifest <laughs> not caring, I, I think you have to stop texting him. Well, yeah, but that's... I, I just think sometimes you need to talk yourself through these things. 
And, you know, because she's clearly analyzed it, you know, she's very self-aware and she knows it's one of three, you know, one of three, uh, one of three options. And I think she's pretty aware of, he's no longer interested and just doesn't know how to stop or tell me he's not interested. And it sounds like possibly, um, she might be, not even a hint of, he's texting me a few times here and there. Yeah. He is, he's, he's stringing her along. The fact that he's yeah, still contacting it her. Like he wanted someone to go to Christmas parties with <laughs> and New Year's, right? And now, because the holidays are hard. We all know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that the holidays are over, it sounds like he's reevaluating his options. I think he just, ne- right. I think now he has options. Right. Yeah, it sounds like she's in the rotation. She's in the but, rotation, uh, but he's never going out with her, the, but he's keeping her there. So Yeah, she's, she's, uh, she's on the bench. She's right on now. the bench. Yeah. And so when you think about how do I stop caring and move on, you acknowledge that this person that you're so into is actually kind of a shitty person because he's knowingly stringing you along. He's showing absolutely no regard for your feelings or your well-being. Yeah. And that's a really good way to, 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 to stop caring. And I have to say that this is what I did. This is what I did with Don. And even if I didn't really truly believe it, I would tell myself he knew all along he didn't want a relationship and he stayed in it for as long it was, it was, as it was convenient until it wasn't convenient anymore. And then he just left. And when I looked at it that way, it was much easier for me to detach. Now, I don't know that that's what he really did, but that is what I told myself yeah. to, to detach. And I think you do, you really do have to, I th- really do think you have to talk yourself through these things. And, and say, you know what, this guy, he's not treating me well. If he were a good person. Well, it's not like she's already doing that, mm-hmm. though. Right. But that's how she's asking, how do I stop caring and move on? You stop caring and move on by acknowledging that this person isn't who you thought he was. Yeah. And But also stop texting. Stop. Don't text back. <laughs> Don't respond. You need to ghost him, I think. Or, or you could just say, you know, it's been a couple months. I haven't heard from you. Like, where do we stand? Are we still dating? Uh, and if so, like, what's going on? And if he doesn't jump to like make plans with you, there's your answer. Well, I so I want to note that you got this letter on January 19th. Mm-hmm. So when she's saying that the contact has been sporadic, I think it's it's still well within the realm of holiday like he might be out of town he might you know he he might still be doing holiday things Mm -hmm. um i do i think it's not a great sign that he hasn't made plans yeah um but i also think that it i don't know it might there is a slim possibility that it's too early to call it i think anything's possible um i i just feel as though when somebody wants to get together with you, they're making plans. They're making the time. Um, generally, but there's, again, a slim possibility that she is misreading this situation and maybe 
um, you know, maybe he's not making plans because he's still out of town, right? But maybe if she says, if she takes initiative and says, like, oh, we should do X, Y, or Z, that he would take her up on it. I mean, I don't know. They've been on seven or eight days. At this point, you know, that's, we're talking about a couple of months. At that point, yeah. it should be like, the, you know, you get into a, you get into a routine, you do. You know? Are you saying that like you do? Or, oh, you do. No, no, no. I'm agreeing. You do. You do. Like, we... I'll go back to this one again. But I knew Saturday nights when, you know, Don didn't have his daughter, I would be seeing him. And when he did have his daughter, I'd be seeing him Sunday. I just knew that yeah. that was the pattern. And he, this guy, it's, it's, you know, the holidays were almost three weeks earlier. We're talking almost three weeks now. And he's made no attempt to even say, like she said, even if he had just said, Hey, I'd really like to get together with you. Things are crazy. He's not even offering up a, an excuse. He's just kind of like, Hey, yeah, they're talking and they're texting. You know, he's lost interest if he ever really had interest in the first place. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's a slim possibility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it might be, you know, if she does still care and is already kind of dabbling with the notion that, uh, number two, he's no longer interested and just doesn't know how to stop, then at that point, there's no harm in her just throwing something out there and seeing what happens. Because right. at least you get closure. Right. And But she's not doing that. And she's not doing that for a reason. It's because she still wants to believe that there's she doesn't want to put it she doesn't want to put it stick a pin in it she doesn't want closure true she wants yeah, you know what i mean and it, and that is it's to it's to avoid the pain yeah and avoid that's the hurt probably what this is you know so how do you stop caring for somebody uh, i think you have to really accept who they are and accept that you know what either this was just bad timing or this was just never meant to be, but you need to look at it from a a different perspective and say, thank God it was at only after two months rather than, you know, a year. Um, And he, he could have just completely fallen off the face of the earth and never responded to her. It always could have been worse that this isn't making any, any, I'm not making excuses for him, but to stop caring, you have to, I think, you have to take a step away from it and see things more objectively and, and talk yourself through it and tell yourself, you know, this, this just wasn't right. It just wasn't the right time. It just, it just wasn't right. I mean, I, I've like, I have gone on dating sites and I just don't, I, I can't, I have no interest, no interest. And so I get it. I get what she's going through and she's, you know, don't be afraid to feel the pain because you will, you'll make it, you'll get through it. You will. It's going to suck for a couple of weeks, maybe. But the sooner you allow yourself to go through that, the easier it's going to be to stop caring. Don't hold off. Like, don't try to prevent the pain, the hurt, just feel it. Because when you, when you stuff that stuff down, it always ends up, it, it, it manifests in all different types of ways. So just feel the pain. It's going to suck. And you're going gonna, gonna to be sad, but you'll get through like rip it. Rip it off the band-aid? Rip off the band-aid. You're going to be okay. And with or without that person, you're fine. 
there will be somebody else. It's that belief of, well, I don't know there's, if there's going to be anybody else. If you want there to be somebody else, there will be somebody else. I truly believe that. I have said that before. If you truly believe something is possible, and if you are truly open to it, it will happen without question. Especially something like this. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't believe that about everything. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not really a, a secret kind of person. <laughs> yeah, this isn't but, uh, about being woo-woo. It's more about... No, this this isn't. I'm I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying, yeah, if you if you want this, you can you can find this again. If, it's just not easy. It's just about being open to it. Don't close yourself off. Yeah. Right. Like just be open to it. Feel the pain, then be and understand like you know, I went through that. It hurt, it sucked, but I got through it. And remind yourself yeah. of that. And remind yourself that you've probably been through a hell of a lot worse. Than some guy blowing you off. Yeah, I mean seven or eight dates. That's it's rough. That's it. Well, it is, but it's it's not as rough as it could right. be. You know, like you said, at least it wasn't a year or six months, a year or two. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not so. It's going to be like a mini breakup pain. Yeah, you'll be Hopefully. fine. Just remember that you will be fine. You've gotten through worse. There is there are more possibilities out there, and it, it, I don't know. I've started journaling. I love you. Have you ever journaled? Uh, yeah, I love it, it because I, I have a very hard time focusing, uh, and that is as I'm finding a result of, of trauma. And mm-hmm. I, okay. I can remember uh, right after everything happened with my family. Now, up until that point, I had a great memory, like short term, long term, great memory. I could remember back way, way back. But after all of that happened, I think you still have a pretty good memory. You think I do? I think you do. Yeah. It it might not. I mean, I'm trusting your sense. Like, if you feel like it has slipped well, a little bit, then I've I've I been working you, on it. I've been working on it. It's still pretty good. <laughs> but after that, after that all happened, like my short term memory was gone. I would get up and I'd go, "Wait a minute, what was I doing?" I couldn't think of words. I couldn't finish sentences. Yeah. So. Uh, that was very, very difficult for me. And I had to start, I just had to like get all the thoughts out because I would like, I was just constantly going from thought to thought to thought to thought. So the thing I like about journaling is that it really is a release, you know, after when moon died and I mean, that was devastating for me and I just wrote it out and wrote it out and wrote it out. And, you know, you just got to feel it. I remember that being an especially bad winter for everyone I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tr- truly. <laughs> yeah. But you know. <clears throat> something about that winter. Something about that winter. I can, I got a, I remember getting a DM from somebody saying, from a, a guy friend of mine. And he said, you know, I believe it was, he was telling me about a quote in a book that, you know, there's this belief that certain people sort of come into our lives to take us on a certain journey. And then they leave us when they feel we're ready for the next chapter. Mm-hmm. And that has always stayed with me because I've always felt like I I got Moon on January first, two thousand and two, and he died December thirty first, two thousand and seventeen. Yeah, you know, so it was like bookended. There was there was something there was something there, and that was definitely a pain that I was so terrified of feeling 
and I knew it would devastate me and I was just so afraid of it. But once I got through that and I look back on it and I was like, I, I made it. I, I made it. I'm okay. I got through that. And that's part of why I was able to take the second chance with Don and say, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go after the available guy for once. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds really trite to say, but like as a piece of advice, but truly if you're in pain and you can get to a place where you can recognize, Oh no, no, I've I've actually had much worse Mm -hmm. than this. It, that's the first step I think to recovering. Yep. I don't know what it is, but just if you can reflect on that and get to a place where you realize that you've had to endure mm-hmm. much worse. You have, you have, and you're, you've gotten this far and you'll continue and with or without that person, you will be okay. You are okay. Not you will be yeah. okay. You are okay. Yeah. That's what you have to remind yourself of. And you do just keep telling yourself that until your brain believes it. So that's my, that's my advice. Easy, easy peasy. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone can do it. (laughs) So Sarah, this was a great show. (laughs) Hey, how you doing? How you doing? Wait a minute. This is my favorite one. It's from Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And I remember watching this with my older sister, the one I was talking about, the one that passed away. I remember watching this one. Excuse me. Excuse me. (laughs) Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. (laughs) Yeah, you had to be there, but it's just such a good scene. In any case, Sarah, this was great, as usual. This was a good one. one. Follow us on Women on Top Pod on Twitter, Women on Top Podcast on Instagram. And I'd really like more Instagram followers because I so want to be an influencer. Uh, Right? We got to get to that next goop. I really, next goop. I want, I want to, and egg up my Yanni. (laughs) Mama needs a new quart of oat milk. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Uh, Women on Top Podcast.com. Join the mailing list. Um, you we're on Spotify and iTunes and SoundCloud. <sighs> Feel free to rate us on SoundCloud on uh, on iTunes. <laughs> I say this so begrudgingly. <laughs> I just don't like begging for that stuff. You know, if you want to follow us on Patreon, you can go to uh go to our site womenontoppodcast.com and go, click the Patreon or patreon.com slash womenontoppodcast. And follow us because we've added more content and we're going to start with weekly bonus episodes. Uh, Yeah, guys. So if you're looking for the Big Little Wise recap from last week, that's where it is. That's where it is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I didn't, I just didn't think anybody would be listening over 4th of July. I just didn't. I feel Sarah's very upset that I didn't post that because she brought it up before we started recording. Uh oh. Only because I I have a coworker um, now interested in our big little last. Oh well, you know what? Well, if you have a coworker, before we go, let's just do a five minute recap. Okay. All right. So last night, uh, more filler. Um, once again, yeah. Nicole Kidman's accent came out really bad when she was yelling it. Um, what I loved, loved, loved was when. Mary Louise, who's Meryl Streep, goes over to Renata's house because Renata's going to take a crack at her. 
<laughs> and Renata scooches over on the rolling chair. <laughs> and in seconds, Meryl Streep sizes her up and hones right in on her weakness. And that's what Mary Louise mm-hmm. does. And she just, where's all your furniture? You know, and she goes after the, why did you do the, you know, oh, all that work and all that time away from your family for what? Yeah. And Renata's going, are you, are you judging my life choices? And she's like, no, what? What are you talking about? And just the way she does it. It's like, bitch, yes, you are. Just, I just wish we could have tea without there being an ulterior motive. Right. But what I, people I, don't do that anymore. I do feel like that was lazy writing only because Renata, like, come on, you are smarter than this. And you know, for a fact that she stayed at home with her two kids and one of them's dead and the other one turned out to be a rapist. So she's not exactly mother of the year. You know, staying at home didn't exactly work out for her. It's true. Come on, like you, you're you're quicker on your feet than this. Um, Madeline yeah. and Ed, Ed, please just leave, please just leave her. <laughs> Ed is getting so mean. He he, she deserves it. She does. Yeah, but it's hard to see Adam Scott that way. Oh, <laughs> uh, I can't. I'm psyched for him because he's finally going to get an Emmy nomination for this. Um, let's see. Nathan is still, still a douchebag. <laughs> um, I loved when he gave Bonnie the treadmill because it's really a gift for him. Right. Yep. <laughs> so he doesn't have to run into Ed anymore in the park. Right. Um, Bonnie's mom, um, woke up long enough to say, kill me and nothing else. And that was about it. Wait a minute. I feel like there was, oh, wait, no, no, no. Then at the end. Uh, Tori, the wife of the the woman that Ma- the wife of the man that Madeline cheated with, oh, Tori comes yeah. up comes up to yep. Ed at the bar, and it turns uh-huh. out and he turns, and the husband is sitting there watching. Yeah, clearly that, that did happen. What? <laughs> yeah, that did happen. I don't know how I forgot about. Yeah, that. she's looking to try and pull him into a three way. That right. or he, he wants to watch her, his wife have sex with another man. Again, yeah. it's a turn on, but. Uh, I wonder if the husband knows that Ed knows. I oh yeah I don't know oh oh and 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 I predicted this. Uh, we saw oh, Co- you, Corey. we saw Corey coming out of the police station, and I've said it since the second week. <laughs> I said there's something up there. He's fishy. Yeah. I don't like him. Yeah. Uh, so he's either a cop. That was disappointing. What? I mean, I, I, that was disappointing. I agreed with you. I thought that was a pretty likely outcome, but mm. it just was, I don't know. It's disappointing. Well, I think it's, it's, he's, it's, he's going to turn out to really like Jane. Um, and I, I don't know. He stopped, you know, he never did have sex with her. And I don't know, like maybe he went into the station to say, I can't do this anymore. Like, it's just, it just feels wrong. But they did in the preview for next week there's a line you and it's from Corey. you can hear it's his voice and he says they're just waiting for one of you to crack mm. so yeah well we're, we're getting there we're getting there well, only come- um what i want to know mm-hmm. is how that bully kid knows about perry i mean really do you do you, you don't know how would he know because madeline's a big mouth and she talked but ed doesn't know she didn't tell Ed, so how how would this kid know? How did Madeline know that? Um, how does this kid know that Perry's a rapist? Because Madeline didn't even tell Ed. 
because Madeline could have been on the phone talking to somebody and the kid overheard. I mean, I guess, but I it's, well, it was established that Madeline has loose lips. It was. <laughs> it was established. So we can just sort of assume that one of them, I'm sure, these are kids. Kids, uh, kids pick up on stuff, man. They, they know. They do. They know. Uh, so it didn't surprise me to find out that uh, that got out these days. Like, I don't know what they were thinking. I just, I wish everyone would stop listening to Madeline. <laughs> she kind of got you into this. You yeah. know, you should have just let the police come and say, I saw him kicking his wife and I rushed right. to, you know, get her and he fell back. Right. But done. Yeah. Like, that. that's it. I mean, I realize that's not a great way to end. It Well, it the last season was a great way to end, <laughs> period. <laughs> this yeah. was never intended to carry on any further than it than last season when it ended. Yeah. So, yeah, Big Little Lies is a big little a big little disappointment as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not doing a lot. It's not. It's a lot of filler. They clearly don't have much of a story. It, it really is about how can we showcase Meryl Streep. You know, Meryl Streep is, I, I've already said this, the cohesiveness of that cast and how insulated it was is what made that, what made for the first season work. That and, and Jean-Marc Valley, I think, is the, was the director. He's not back. Mm-hmm. Mm. He made the difference too. Yeah. So what do we have left? Two episodes? One? Two or three, I think. Three. Two or three. Yeah, I think last night was five, and I think there's eight. Either way, I don't know. Someone's going to kill somebody. It can't be as bad as the Game of Thrones series finale. Oh, no. There's no 10-year (laughs) buildup. Jesus Christ. Um, True. True. So, yeah, I have have low expectations going forward. But, you know, we'll see what they do. I'm just, at this point, hoping for some more good Renata moments. Some good Streep zingers. And, you know, I'll I'll be happy with that. Uh, well, I liked Renata last night with her daughter. And she's like, Emma Bella, it's not all about money. Well, it is, but it, it, is. But <laughs> it isn't. <laughs> so good. That's an important lesson for a young That's girl. An young, important lesson for a young girl, for a young kid. It's not all about money, but it is. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Gordon, what was the other one? What happened with Gordon? He had a moment. He came in. Did he have a moment? Yeah, I don't remember. He came in and he saw Renata and Emma Bella in the pool, you know, splashing around, having fun, and realizing that they are so much happier without him. Um, (laughs) So, I think I I think I see where that's going. (laughs) Do you know? Do you Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. What What do you think I mean? Well, I mean, there's a couple possibilities. They're either going to get divorced, right? He's gonna he's gonna just bail, like he could just vanish and leave her to clean up the bankruptcy fallout, um, or he might sleep with Bonnie. Gordon? <laughs> yeah, Bonnie's Bonnie's the closest to cracking. She's the most vulnerable. We've already seen her flirting with Ed. So, oh my God, where do you get that? I, I, no, I was saying I think he's going to kill himself. Oh well, that that would be a thing for Gordon. Although to do. I I like your I like what you think that he's just gonna take off and leave. He's just gonna go on the lamb, as they say. Yeah, I think he, he might just and to, just to completely screw her because in the end he really only uh-huh. cares about himself. 
and he has no problems dragging her down with him. Yeah, I don't I don't think he'll kill himself. But, he'll leave. But I'm he'll not, leave. He'll do something. You called the uh, the Christian thing early. So. I called the what? That's not his name. Sorry, Corey. Corey. I called the Corey thing early, so we'll see. All right. So there's our big little lies recap. There you go. <laughs> uh, thank you, Sarah's friend, for being interested enough to want to hear that. That's neat. People, thank you so much. An hour and 32. Sarah, we could just go on forever, but we won't. <laughs> and we are going to leave. Guys, thank you so much. Talk soon. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> this is our hello it's it's our hello aloha as emma thompson would say